fake facts from the Geek Out Heroes. Criminals are not criminals because they actually follow gun laws. You're right, they still buy their guns. Or they make them out of a 3D printer. <laughs> In 2011, a crack podcast unit was sent to Colorado Springs by a cord of snowflakes for being too good for the rest of the world. These men, and sometimes ladies, promptly escaped from the world of monotony to the podcasting underground. Today, still wanted by the SJWs of the world, they survive as podcasters of no fortune. But, if you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can listen to the Geek Out Heroes. Welcome to the Geek Out Heroes. This is Vargo. Anderson. And listeners, this week there's not a whole lot going on, and there's especially not a whole lot of fun things going on. What's really happening is that EA and Activision are building up the fuck up some more. That's always happening. <laughs> Their surprise mechanics would be if they actually did something good for the gamers, which is always a surprise. I mean, it's always nice. That's yeah. why it's, you know, it's still it was still a surprise that it takes two only took one purchase for two people to play. Um, but uh, other than that, I mean, you know, overall the, like the news, like the news week stuff, like st- uh, things that have been talked about is really just, you know, outriders coming out and outriders was uh, apparently very successful uh, comparatively to uh, Avengers, but Avengers, I, it's a brand they new, had a good launch. It's a brand new game. Yeah. Of course, it did. It had a had a decent launch. People are going to buy the game. They're going to try the game. Um, on top of that, it's available on Game Pass. So, uh, people will say, "Oh, well, you know, it's a game that's included in service. Might as well play it." So, you know, g- good that they're that they have a lot of you know players right now. We'll see if that actually holds out. Um, given the fact that it's a game that's supposedly not games as a service, it's a looter shooter. Yeah. It's not games as a service, supposedly, so it doesn't really need to have that weekly intake of gamers, right? So, otherwise, why would they be talking about it? That's that's the thing that kind of that kind of bugs me about that whole thing. Like everybody's like, "Oh, it's it's doing better than Anthem. It's doing you know, it's doing better than Anthem did. It's doing better than Avengers did." I'm like, those are games as a service. Those are games that literally depended on people coming back and playing every week and buying yeah, stuff they from require their. Require a player base to maintain. It. Yeah, they yeah. they needed a player base, so they needed people to come back and play the damn game so i'm going okay well that's that's completely different if this game out you know 
Outriders is supposed to be this whole uh, looking like a games as a service model, having a loot, being a looter shooter, but it doesn't require you to buy. It's not supposed to require you to buy things. It's not, it's not set up to have all this monetization to it. So it's technically not a games as a service. It's not a, it's not one of these uh, looter shooters that we've got in the past. It's not like destiny. It's not like any of those. So are they depending on a, a player base coming back every week to play it? Yeah, what's the what's the value of replaying? It? Yeah, so is it a one and done like most games out there where you play it through it once and then? Yeah, so why are it? we comparing it to Anthem? Why are we comparing it to Avengers? Why are we comparing it to Destiny when it's not supposed to be in the same category? Yeah, unless the developers know something that we don't. I think it's just them just trying to draw attention. I, I guess, but at the same time, it just kind of seems like this is a it's a very misplaced um, statement because you're comparing games that aren't in the same category. So it, it you know, it's kind of like, well, I was about to say the, the idea that I'm getting from you here, just in conversation easers uh, listeners, we record from the state of Colorado. So it'd be like comparing how well the avalanche is doing compared to the Rockies, the baseball team. Yeah, it's it's com- you're two comparing, completely separate sports. You're comparing two yeah. things that are completely different from one another, or supposed to be completely different, and that's why I'm bringing up the fact of, you know, Outriders comes across as very much a games as a service, but it's not a games as a service. It comes across that way because everything about it speaks that this is going to have monetization placed into it. So either everybody else knows something that we don't. Or, or I should say, everybody else knows something that the developers aren't willing to tell us or the publisher isn't willing to tell us, uh, which is kind of what we, you know, I've expected listeners, Outriders, to turn into games as a service the entire time. I've, I've expected it to one day just suddenly start dropping skins and complete bullshit into the game for you to buy and suddenly turn into a games as a service. I totally expect that to happen. And listeners, I still expect that to happen. But my point is, is that they are saying they've had, they've been adamant about, oh, it's not games as a service. We're not the same thing as these games. So why is it that Outriders was immediately compared to Anthem, Avengers and Destiny right away? It was instantaneous of, oh, it came out and it did better than any of these games have been doing on any of our services. And I go, well, it's not a, it's not a service. So why is the industry making this this jump? And do they know something that we don't? Do they know that this is going to eventually come, become a games-as-a-service game? Are they expecting it as much as we are? I, I'm on the boat with you. I thought it was games-as-a-service from day one. Yeah, that's what, it, that's what it looks like. That's how it felt when we played the, uh, the beta. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, how it's, that's how it feels when you, when you see Gotham Knights. You see Gotham Knights and you go, that looks like games-as-a-service. The whole thing looks like games-as-a-service. Everything about it seems like games-as-a-service. I don't want to be, but yeah, it does. So is it going to be games as a service? They they claim no. They say no, it's not going to be games as a service. You guys are making a comparison that's not supposed to be there. Do you know, is there something going on that I don't know? Aside from that, I guess uh, the Falcon and, and the Winter Soldier. Listeners, I haven't watched it, so I can't give you a direct uh, comparison. I was hoping Miles was going to be here in order to do that, but he is having an off day. I can, though. Anderson, you've been watching it? So... What Varga's referring to that popped up on the news this week is how like viewership turned down because of one particular scene that was Black Lives Matter-esque. 
I didn't feel that way anywhere about it on the last episode, on the episode that came in yesterday. I can kind of feel it at the very end. Yeah. But people what are people referring to, I think it was like episode two or three, where Bucky and Falcon are walking down the road and the cops stop him because yeah. they're walking together. And then when Bucky tells him that's the Falcon, then they leave him alone. I didn't get that vibe anywhere as sure, Black Lives Matter. I you kind of skipped a little bit of the stuff there. So the, co- the cops show up. They're yeah. in the middle of the street. The cops show up and they basically ask uh, Bucky, you know, essentially, are you okay? Bucky doesn't understand what's going on, like why they're asking this. Just like any of us, like any of us would have the same reaction of like, why are you asking this? We would ask this of anyone who's going like, do I look distressed? Am I bleeding that I can't see that kind of thing? But instead, it went the along the lines of it's cops asking a white guy if they're okay because they're with a black guy. That's why people tuned out because they're tired of this. They're tired of the of the narration of it's always about race, always, and that's why people tuned out. So, listeners, while I understand why people tuned out because they're getting tired of being pre one being preached to, and two everything being about race, I totally get it. Based off of what the guys have told me, based off of uh, just the description of it. It sounds like people overreacted just a little bit um, to something that a couple of years ago, nobody would have even thought of anything of. Well, see, um, that's not the vibe I got watching it to the scene to me. But like the reason why the cops stopped him is because you have a pale white boy inside a heavily African-American community. But again, that's still, that's still the same thing. That's still the same thing about race Anderson. Like, so yeah. Listeners, I'm going to jump in really quick and let you guys know that I've actually watched the scene now. And the scene in question is it trying to preach to people. It definitely comes off as there were big motivations as to why they were trying to show this off in the show of trying to show off that, oh, you know, heavily racial profiling that takes place in these neighborhoods. And at the same time, no one points out the fact that uh, Anthony Mackey's character, Sam, turns around and cops attitude towards the cop. The moment the police show up, the moment police show up, he cops attitude towards the police. It's not a good evening officer or anything like that. It's a, all right, well, I'm just going to show attitude now. And the police react to that. So here's the clip. Just listen to the audio and listen to the inflection of his voice. Does it sound like somebody who's calm? I mean, he instantly becomes defensive. And keep in mind, these police officers haven't overheard their conversation. They have no idea what's going on. And they just see two guys standing in the middle of the street, literally, literally the middle of the street, looking like they're having an argument or about to get into a fight. Hey, that's the cop. He's just pulled up with his partner. What's up, man? Is there a problem here? No, we're just talking. We're fine. Did I see your ID? I want to point out it is not unusual for a police officer to ask anyone for ID, even if they're not driving or doing anything like that. You aren't obligated to give them an ID either. I don't have ID. Why? At this point, the police officer has his left hand resting on his gun. He's not actually reaching for it, but he is resting it on it. It's a defensive posture. Just sir, just calm down. I am calm. What do you want? We're just standing here talking. Just give him your ID. No, I'm not giving him shit. We're just talking. Hey, hey, look, is this guy bothering me? No, he's not bothering me. Do you know who this is? This is basically when his partner comes over and mutters that they are Avengers. Oh, God. I am so sorry. If they had reversed the roles and shown that the police would react this way to whoever seems hostile when they pull over, keep in mind that you had two guys standing in the middle of the street looking like they're facing off against one another, like there's going to be a problem. And that would be that that would cause any police officer to show up and see this and go, why are two guys facing off against each other in the middle of the street? Is there something going on? Do we need to talk to these guys? 
And the guy who shows attitude towards him is the one that gets the biggest reaction from the police officers. And then again, having it reversed, having Sam be the one that says, hey, let me talk some reason to you. And that's when they finally snap out of it. There's no analysis of actual human behavior and how human beings literally react to any situation. When somebody shows attitude towards you, you immediately become defensive. So when you become more defensive, you start to overreact, right? So if Bucky had turned around and showed them attitude the moment they showed up, the second they showed up, would he have gotten the attitude back from the police officer? Would the police officer have gotten as defensive with him? If the question is in a real world scenario, absolutely. The cop would get massively defensive to whoever throws them shade. That's what's going to happen. And I will say there are some officers out there that have shown the utmost restraint when it comes to their emotional response towards people who are aggressive towards them. And those are model officers. That happens. But generally, this is how people react. But that's not what they did here. So instead of it being an analysis of how society functions as a whole and how we react to things, it comes off more of a, well, this is just how police are towards black people. That's why people turn it off. They're tired of being preached to. Regardless, I think people kind of overreacted and they just need to let it go. Continue watching the show. I'm sure it's really good and enjoy it for what it is. And hopefully it's not getting super preachy because that's the thing that people are tuning out from. People are tuning out because they don't want to be preached to anymore. And that's it. Yeah, I don't know, man. It sounds like it's motivated by the current climate of things, in all honesty. And it could have been maybe people reading. I barely read into it. I was just watching the show. Yeah. And I think that's part, you know, I think that's also part of it is people's brains clicked on and went, I'm getting tired of this shit and didn't tuned out. So listeners, just know, like, I'm not making excuses for Disney. I'm not making excuses for the people no. who tuned out. I'm just trying to figure out, like, is there like I'm basically trying to get you to think, is there a reason why people turned it off? Is there a reason why Disney did, you know, Disney created this scene in the first place? Now, I can't see why people turned it off. Yeah, because like you said, people are getting tired of being preached at. Yeah. They're just getting tired. Uh, of it. Point in fact, that I will bring up every time is a big one that constantly preached at you and has the lowest rating of all time is Star Trek Discovery. It's considered the lowest rating Star Trek show of all time. Not surprised. For that very reason, because they were putting modern politics into a sci-fi show in the future. That has nothing to do with current day politics. And their viewership tanked so hard that they now had to create, they had to bring back Picard to make another show to get viewership back. Yeah, and Picard sucked. My wife watches that show because she's a Trekkie and she says there's, there's good episodes and there's shitty episodes, so it's just it right now it's breaking even. Yeah, I. It's not as good as TNG, but that's about it. Yeah, I got to watch uh, the first episode of Picard, and just watching the way that they turned his what how they turned his character into practically an incompetent old man, and uh, that he didn't you know essentially he's treated like he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. I'm like, well, I'm done. I'm out. Talking about one of the most diplomatic and most important. Uh, characters in the Star Trek universe. You mean the greatest Star Trek captain of all time? Yeah. Kirk, yeah. you know, Kirk had the physicality, the the fists. He was always going on away missions. Picard had the diplomacy and, and intellect. Yeah. Not to be fucked with. That kind of that that's that's the kind of person he was. Oh yeah, when Picard went on, when when he we actually had to face off against Picard, he usually whooped your ass. But getting to my point, I was thinking, you know, like you just said, I think. People are getting tired of politics being entered into their shows, their games. It's not even just politics. Hell, even the NFL is having lower ratings than ever because of it. I mean, it's it's really just the introduction of real life. Like people yeah. watch 
these things to have a disconnect from the real world. Can you have escapism, certain messaging within your show? Absolutely. You can absolutely do that, but you have to do it creatively. It can't be preached to you about things. And it, when, when you have it, when you're constantly getting bombarded with it, listeners throughout the day, throughout the week from politicians to, you know, woke TV, it just, it becomes completely just, you feel hopeless and you go, fuck it. I'm not going to deal with this anymore. I'm done. I'm out. I've gotten to that way. Listeners now with sports and yeah, uh, you know, it, the MLB NFL, I don't care what they're trying to stand for. Their actions don't solve anything. They literally don't listeners. If you want to argue with me on that, that's fine. You can, you can think what you want, but the, the fact remains that the NFL who, who's made up of both black and white players all made rich off of a sport that they play. Think that there's, you know, think that the world is rampant with racism. Uh, and that, that means that the entire U S is ra- is racist. So we need to take a knee during the national anthem, the anthem that is for a country that has made more strides against racism than any other country literally in history. Take a second and research racism in other nations and how that's worked out. Uh, the UK didn't become its bastion of anti-racism that people think it is till, oh yeah, we started doing that. Oh, Australia is just now catching up. When we started making stands against racism, that was when things changed for a lot of other countries because they started looking at the US and going, oh, the US is doing this. We should probably do something similar because one, we like to have relationships with the US and two, it seems like a good idea. It wasn't that simple, listeners, but still. It's it's one of those things of when when we start to do something, typically that causes other countries to change. So we we've made massive strides in that area uh, and we've come like listeners. We've come so far it just back just back in the 60s, back in the 60s. We still had segregation. Think of how far we've come. <laughs> now we have literally politicians and policies trying to come up that are trying to resegregate the country. It's unbelievable. This is the thing that people are getting tired of. I mean, I'm, I'm having to bring it up on the podcast. That's how bad it is out there. And we hate talking about politics or anything like that that's going on. Oh, yeah. We, we can make a whole separate, like we brought it up before, we can make a whole separate cast of the stupidity. Yeah. So people on. are getting tired of seeing it in their media. They're, they're getting tired of seeing it in their everyday lives. So they see this and they see even just the smallest instance of something that could be overthought, that could be completely be overthinking it. Absolutely. I will say you in the latest episode at the very end, I think it was thicker than it was in that ep- that scene. Yeah. Uh, it was at that point where I almost turned it off. Gotcha. Because I was able to spot it. Not the, uh, not the one the scene everybody else is talking about, but the, the scene that nobody's talking about at the moment. Listeners, if you know if you were in the camp of you you quit watching the show because of that uh, I don't, I, you know, I can't tell you to, to try and, you know, try it out again. I mean, I'm, I'm the last person to ever tell you to go back and watch a show. Cause I stopped watching Supergirl for a reason. I stopped watching all of the CW for a reason. And now I just finally announced its final season. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that show, that show has been bleed. Like Warner brothers is actually listeners. See the CW is bleeding money Yeah, on their, on their DC universe that they created the, the Arrowverse. And yeah. the reason is, is because they, they went so woke, ridiculously overwoke. And it got to the point where it literally just became everything like so overblown and overthinking 
everything's racist, everything's white supremacy, everything's you, you you've got to be progressive. You have to accept you know, accept this, but don't accept this. There's there's no uh, conversation anymore. It's just kind of gone out of control. So when we start seeing it seep into our shows, we start going, all right, well, I'm just going to stop watching this. So if you stop watching, we've all stopped watching the Arrowverse. Yeah. If you stop watching uh, the Falcon and the winter soldier, I, I can't tell you to go back and watch it. We understand, but I understand. I know why you did it. I know why you got tired of it. So, um, and I, I still have high enough hopes that it's going to turn out well. That's why that's one of the reasons why I'm waiting for the entire show to be finished. So I can just watch it in one go and enjoy it for what it is. Anyways, Disney has said that they're going to bring you know, they're bringing over uh, Black Widow to uh, Disney Plus. Uh, and a lot of people are saying they're not going to pay the six the, the thirty dollars to watch it. That's going to be their July movie and Corella is going to be their Memorial Day movie, I do believe. Yeah, uh, I get it. I know why people aren't going to aren't going to pay the thirty dollars. Um, I think that a lot of people are, are going to. I think it's probably in my opinion, listeners. And I. I might be completely wrong, but since it's Marvel, I think that they are going to make a lot of money off of that. I'm not going to, but I'm going to support my local movie theater. Yeah, I actually want to go see it in theaters, so yeah. uh, I might so join you. Fargo and I are probably going to go see it. Yeah. yeah. And as for the Cruella movie, I think that's going to tank. I think it will, too. That's the thing. is like I don't understand where Nintendo... Who wants to watch about a movie who wants a woman who kills dogs? Well, I don't... Yeah, I don't know dogs where they're going to awesome. go with this. I don't know where they're going to go. Like, that's the that's thing is like waste of a movie. Maleficent, Maleficent, they had a good twist for. It. Like they were able to turn an well, evil character into a into a good character that was just misunderstood, and the idea behind it was that the more and more the story was told throughout the land, the more and more they turned it into she was the bad guy. And good people don't find goodness in killing dogs. Yeah, that's why. No. That's what I want to know. Like, <laughs> how, how do we turn somebody well, who is blatantly a dog murderer, <laughs> a puppy killer? Yeah. Uh, because that's, well, I shouldn't say is a puppy killer because she wanted to, she didn't get away with it in, in the cartoons. No, she had a desire to murder the dogs, but yeah, she wanted, she had a desire to murder the dogs and Glenn Close did a fantastic job of playing Corella DeVille in the live action version. Um, it's still a fun movie for me to watch today, but I don't see how they're going to make Corella DeVille a solo in, movie, a solo movie and, off of a dog murderer. Yeah. And, and make her into a character that we that we care about or like. Like, are they trying to do the same twist? The question is, listeners, are they going to try and do the same twist that they did with Maleficent? Because that's basically the the idea that we've heard over and over again is that they're going to take villains, classic villains, and turn them into the good guys. Yeah, the heroes, and that they're just misunderstood. There's not a whole lot of misunderstanding when it comes to somebody who wants to murder puppies. Yeah, I have more <laughs> sympathy for Scar. I've, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm having a having a tough time here so uh that was one of those villains that i have no mercy for <laughs> yeah you kill dogs because you like it let's remove this person yeah that's a bad person dogs are awesome <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything else that you want to bring up i'll switch topics a little bit we've been touching on this here and there throughout this year and last year um i've been following some of the obviously the the loot box laws of Europe. One that got passed through this week is called the Children's Gaming Act, which now a lot of European countries now straight up said 
that if you have uh, anything that's a surprise mechanic that requires Monte Valley or a loot box that requires any of that, mm-hmm. can no longer be attached to any mobile or console or PC game unless it's rated Peggy 18 or higher. If it's under, that, that, that qualification automatically makes it Peggy 18. I think that's a good choice, personally. If you listen to this podcast, listeners, we've been saying that forever. If you decide that you need to have monetary value to a gambling transaction, that's basically what those are, that that game needs to be rated for adults. Yeah, anything that's a loot box should immediately go into that category if you have to be an adult in order to purchase this. Now, if it was like in-game currency you use on a loot box, I can turn a blind eye. But when you actually have to spend real-world money, that is gambling. I'm just glad that Europe is actually just finally pushing laws that direction. Yeah. And maybe the rest of the world will catch on. Here's the thing. If all of Europe joins into joint, or Europe is a huge seller for FIFA. So especially for FIFA. Um, so if all of Europe is joining in, eventually EA is just going to have to do something. They're going to have to switch over because the U S isn't going to be a big enough proponent for FIFA for them to continue having it, it wouldn't even justify them going, okay, there's going to be a version of FIFA for Europe and a version of FIFA for, for the U.S. That's w- one, listeners, that's way too much work the EA is willing to put in for any any sports and game. FIFA right now is the number one sports game on the planet. Yeah. But that's that's way too much work that they're willing to put in than they're willing to put in for any sports game. I mean, it was a shock as hell when EA had put in uh, the campaign, the, the story mission campaign for uh, FIFA. I think it was three years in a row. Which was actually fun. That was that's what really got me excited for FIFA for a while, is because I actually wanted to continue that story. That was actually fun, but that's the most work I've seen them put into FIFA in a long time. You recycle the same games on us and act like it's new. Yeah, imagine EA trying to turn around and going, "All right, we're going to create two different versions: one for the U.S. and one for the European market." It's not going to happen. Eventually, it's going to get to the point where this is going to get so bad for them in Europe that the U.S. isn't even going to have to have legislation for it because. They're going to have to change their practices based off of what's going on over there. Another piece of news, but it's not a shocker to Vargo and I. Marvel Comics has ended their 24-year contract with Diamond Distribution Incorporated. Now, that company specialized in distribution for these smaller comic book companies. DC ended that same contract last year. Yep. What it really does is it hurts the mom and pop shops. Yeah, your local comic shops. I know it's hard to believe nowadays that there's still physical comic sales, but there are. But the way these companies are going is now they're pushing for big box stores to do comic sales instead of the mom and pop stores. Yeah, and that's still not going to work. Yeah, it's still not going to work. I just feel bad for the mom and pop stores. Part of their justification for it is similar to what DC is trying to do. And DC has tried to make it seem like... They've tried to make it seem like these mom and pop stores, they're not doing enough in sales in order to justify them to continue to supply to them. And technically that's true. But the reason that I, why they're not doing well enough in sales is because your comic books aren't selling. Your comics are not selling. And now you could throw in COVID on top as another factor on that. Yeah. Well, on you know, even, even with COVID going, even their digital comics aren't selling. The whole industry is just, like we said, they're pushing agendas rather than story. And we go... Well, we're not going to buy that. Yeah, just like video games, it's the indies, the, the, the smaller companies that are actually getting a huge boost in their sales. Yeah. So what you see is you see these independent comics, like you said, uh, taking off. And you see these big budget, big sellers not doing well anymore. And in, instead of DC and Marvel saying, oh, it's because uh, our stories suck, 
they go, oh, no, it's because the mom and pop shops aren't able to sell anything and we're just going to blame them. And what we're going to do is what every large corporation does first is essentially fire our lower end employees, yeah, our support staff. Listeners, it's like what we talked about last time when we talked about the Activision, what Activision would do if, let's say, everybody started boycotting Activision. Nobody gave them money. Started voting with their wallet. Do you think Activision would immediately turn around and go, you know what, we have to change our ways, we have to make better games? No, they wouldn't immediately think that. They would immediately think, oh, well, we're not selling games. We're going to blame our developers for making bad games. That's what it is. It's it's the bad games, and people don't want to sell or don't want to buy those. It has nothing to do with our own practices. It has nothing to do with what we do to them. It has nothing to do with how we treat our customers. It has everything to do with our games just aren't the, you know, our game developers aren't doing their jobs right and we're just going to fire them. So they just start letting people go. That's all they do. They would they would bleed out employees until they'd finally get the idea when it's too late of, oh shit, it was actually us all along. And that's exactly what DC and Marvel are doing is they're going, oh, it's our mom and pop shops aren't selling enough. That's the reason why we're, we're fledgling so much. So instead, what we're going to do is we're going to stop providing to them and people are going to have to go to these larger stores in order to buy our comic books. Never mind the fact that the larger stores, one, aren't selling any better. And two, even your digital sales are down. So if your digital sales are down and your physical sales are down, what could be the problem? And their solution is just to get rid of mom and pops. Like, does that make any sense to anyone else? No, of course not. Because if you're a critical thinker, your your first thought is that sounds fucking stupid. And, and the other thing is you have the, you have the fact that DC used to strong arm all their fucking mom and pop shops with, oh, you need to pick up this distribution for this comic book, right? Regardless of whether or not the the store knew it was going to sell like shit. If you take uh, an order for this, we'll give you a discount on this. Like basically you have to spend more money in order to, for us to supply you with this. Yeah. If you don't take an order of this, well, then we're going to mark up the price and we're not going to give you as, as big of a cut as we normally do for this other comic book. They were doing that shit. Does that sound like good business sense or does that sound like you're just cutting the, your legs out from underneath your mom and pop shops who were actually doing decently with the comic books that they knew would sell? They knew the readers. They actually got to spend time one-on-one with the readers so they knew what they needed. Yeah. These mom and pop shops weren't just places where readers would go and be like, oh, I'm just going to pick up a comic book here and there. No, these people had like standing orders of, I want every single run of this comic book. As somebody who's lived that life, I have. Like yeah. There used to be a comic book shop downtown I used to go to, and they would order me the Swamp Dang comics I wanted. Yep, that's how I used to get my comic books. I had a guy who would literally pick them out, and every every other month I would show up and grab my and grab my stack of comic books. And he does. He would do this for lots of people. He had standing orders with dozens of people of like I. I was, he reserves every every single you know version of like Spider Man for me. It was Scarlet Spider, Batman, Superman. Like I was into all of that stuff, and I have I have boxes of it in my freaking storage unit. See, I was the same. I had Vangoria magazine. I had the Swamp things. Yeah, and a couple of other things going on. This is how they generated most, like most of their business. And then when you had DC saying, "Oh, if, if you want to continue to have the discounts that you've been getting on these runs, on these these sets of comics, we need you to try and 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 sell this one." Well, this isn't going to sell. None of my re- none of my customers want to buy this. This is for a completely different crowd that doesn't come into comic shops. And since they weren't selling enough of the the ones that DC wanted to push, they just they say, all right, well, we're just going to pull out of this. We're going to go to these larger stores because they'll be able to sell it. Never mind the fact that the larger stores won't be able to do anything better. And Marvel's now doing the same thing. It's complete bullshit. 
it's frustrating to watch really the comic book industry fledgling around like this, trying to figure out what they're going to do when you see these independent studios doing just fine. And it's simply because their tactic is, well, we're going to continue business as usual. We're not going to pick up a flag and die on this hill. The story is the main focus. I mean, what, like, do you think that DC and Marvel are headed to, are headed down a road of eventually going fully digital before they finally wake up and go, Oh, it's because of us picking we're, horrible we're, stories. You know, yeah. it's, it's because we're not focused on we'll stories. Push agendas. Because, yeah, we're, yeah. We're focused on agendas. Like, do you think that, do you think they're going to wake up to that eventually? Or do you think they're just going to, it's, it's going to continue to tank in, in their comic sales and I think it's going to continue to think. I yeah. I don't have any hope. I think they're going to tank so bad that what's probably going to end up happening is like a financial officer or financial exec is going to start firing the management in charge because like, hey, you were making us money. And now it's gone to the point now we're in the negative. Yeah. Like our comic book sales have ended. Now our digital sales are stopping. Yeah. What I the think... hell is going on? Yeah. I think it's going to get to the point where the, the well is going to dry up before they realize it. Absolutely. You're spot on. With I that. think both Marvel and DC, I'm going to rope when it comes to the comic books, I'm going to yeah. rope them in the same issue because they're both doing it. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I think that they're, I think the one thing that's the one thing that is going to keep their comics sort of like their comics alive, I could say is old is old runs, like old versions of comics. Like actually know. for DC, I can actually, I've seen a chart on that is that right now some of the best selling DC stuff out there is their, putting collections of their older graphic novels together. Yeah. And that seems to be the number one seller. So like, for instance, uh, Batman the Long Halloween got posted, and that's like one of their top selling Batmans right now is the graphic novel Long Halloween. Yeah, But right now, like one of the worst sellers is like the new Batman issues. Like they're barely selling. Yeah, I think that that's going to continue to be the case. I think their old stuff's going to continue to sell. I think the new stuff's going to continue to drop. And I think that, you know, listeners, if you don't like if you haven't seen this, Marvel Studios is literally what's keeping Marvel alive Yeah, their film and animated. So it is it has saved the entirety of Marvel. But the thing that's hurting them now is the fact that they are going more and even farther and farther with agendas. Like think about their uh, their characters when they have like a, so they're going to have the 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 gay Captain America in uh, June for Pride Month. And that's their whole thing is like their, their whole big seller is that, oh, it's just for, it's for Pride Month. And we're like, but you're just all you're doing is placating to a certain group of people and you're not giving them an actual character that's going to stick around. Are, are you going to stick with this Captain America? No. It's the same cycle that we say is, you know, we don't mind what our characters are. Just make new characters. Yeah, just make new characters. The story is Captain America loses his shield and he's taking a road trip across America to find it. And in the meantime, while he's doing this road trip, he's meeting other cap, other Captain Americas. They're not really Captain America's listeners. So the whole thing of like people saying, Oh, it's a gay Captain America. It's just people who are inspired by Captain America. It's supposed to be standouts of their community yeah. or whatever. It's people who yeah. are inspired by Captain America to take up the mantle and fight for what they think is right. And he comes across one who this, this gentleman who's gay and is wearing a Captain America thing. So so he just happens to be a huge fanboy who dresses kind of like who dresses similar to Captain America in that he uses the star and stripes. That's pretty much where that similarity lies. And I sat there going, why does it matter what his sexual orientation is? Like does does that matter at all? Does it does it matter at all that he likes guys? No. What does that have to do with his character? How does that make him a better Captain America? 
How does it make him a better hero? Well, it doesn't. Why, why did this have to be announced? Why did this have to be brought up? And that's the thing, listeners. It's just virtue signaling. That's all it is. It's just, oh, hey, look, we're giving you your own character. Instead of putting in the work of creating something original, creating a character, building up that character, and then, oh, wait, that character just so happens to be gay. They could have gone through the whole paces of having of having a new character, not being associated with Captain America, having a new character, new abilities, being able to do all these great, you know, all these great things, being a good person. And then several issues down the line, you find out, oh, you know, he's gay. Oh, if you suddenly found that out, should you even care? So why is that the main, why is this, this their main trait that they want to use to sell the comic book? Why is this the main trait to sell a character? The last things that should consider you are their race, gender, or sexual orientation. So why do you care? Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of bullshit. We keep having to deal with this shit like every fucking week it feels. And that's why we end up getting, you know, that's why I end up going on these fucking rants. Let's talk about something else. Things that we've been doing, listeners, I've been watching a lot of anime recently. I talked about this last week, but I've been going through more shows. I finished up Assassination Classroom. Uh, I actually ended up loving Assassination Classroom. It's got a massive, a lot of heart to it. And that show definitely gave me the feels. That was good. I watched uh, After School Dice Club, which is, I'm going to probably get a lot of crap from the rest of the guys for this, but it kind of goes along the vein of uh, My Little Pony. It's more about friendships and relationships with people and how simply having a friendship with someone can completely change your life and change your outlook on life. So I thought it was a good show. I thought it was cute. It was, you know, it was a fun watch. It was a relaxing watch, so I didn't have to really think about it and I didn't have to pay attention through the entire thing in order to know, know what was going on. I think the the one season is all they're going to have. It's a, it's a one and done. Usually from the studio that makes uh, that's that's responsible for making this one, that's usually what happens with theirs. It's rare for them to ever make anything more than one season. But I think After School Dice Club is good. It's a decent watch. If you want to watch it, it's on Hulu now. Another one is Devil's... I just had it. Damn it. I just watched it yesterday. I can pull it up really quick. Sorry. So while he's doing that, listeners, the reason why you don't hear me review much... Is because Vargo is smarter than I, and I have a tendency to pick an anime that's like 500 plus episodes. <laughs> <laughs> You're watching Why Parasite, Why do I do that right? to myself? I don't know. I've watched Parasite, but I'm also watching Hunter vs. Hunter. I was an idiot, mm. and I started One Piece, and they're not realizing there's like a fucking thousand episodes. reason why you don't hear me review as much anime is because, you know, Vargo is smart, and he picks smaller. Yeah, I, I generally actually go through <laughs> and try to pick... Uh, less episodes um now i will defend myself because i just after listening to vargo we just found out his ultimate move is the care bear stare <laughs> that's how we win every fight but that's the reason why you don't hear me do that much reviews on anime is because i'm an idiot and i like to choose shit that you know <laughs> takes yeah, me a year to watch you can say what you think about the show so far hunter vs hunter i think came out in the early 2000s i'm enjoying it for what it is but at the same time i'm seeing a lot of stereotypes you see in most animes I'm fully oh, yeah. convinced that the main character or the main bad guy in the series is basically Pennywise, mm. but more perverted. Okay. It's dumb and fun. Um, I'm a huge Naruto fan, but I haven't watched the new series because I don't want to watch it. I felt like the way the main storyline Naruto ended was fine as is. I have no interest in following the, the son of Naruto, which yeah. is called Buruto. 
But beyond that, that's why I haven't watched it. I can see that. I, I was debating on getting into the High School of the Dead, but when he said it was basically just hentai, I was like, oh, I have no interest. No, not High School of the Dead. The, the oh, Monster, the high school monster dead? Museum is, is hentai, basically. Okay. Uh, monster, yeah, when he or, said uh, that, I was like, I ain't watching that. Yeah. Uh, high School of the Dead is actually good. It has one, it, there's absolutely one episode, though, that is, I will say, out of that, that is, ap- that is absolutely basically just hentai. Uh, you'll know it the moment it happens. <laughs> um, and it's because like it, it, it just, it throws you off because you have these really good episodes and then all of a sudden it, this, this one moment happens. You're like, what the fuck? Like, wh- why is this even in the show? And it's just like, I, like I said, I think it's because the, the carts there, the uh, animators show up and they were really hard up and they're like, I want to fucking draw this shit. That's in the manga. Like the manga is, is, far more sexualized than the show is the, the one episode it threw me off. So, but it is actually worth watching. Uh, it's a cool show. Unfortunately, there's only one season of it. You know, it doesn't end poorly. It just doesn't end. Uh, it doesn't really have a, have a finality to it, but the show I was thinking of earlier is called devil's line. Devil's line is, this is going to sound weird, but it is almost impossible to describe any other way. It is basically twilight. Okay. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) no thank you um here's the thing though it's it's twilight but it's not twilight it's twilight in the fact that a it's about a vampire who falls in love with a human but it's in a world where vampires aren't really well known or aren't at the beginning aren't known about throughout the world but they live there are thousands of them in the world and they live amongst humans they have laws and regulations that are around them of they can't harm a human they can't drink from a human so that's more like to me that's more like true blood they have an entire police force that is dedicated to their crimes. So the story follows a person who's on the police force who is a vampire. They call van in this universe. They call vampires devils. I don't know why it's pretty stupid to me. I mean, you can just say vampire. It's just as easy. You think it might've been like a rough translation. Maybe no, it's, it's called no. devil's line in, in Japan. They call them devils. I don't know why. Uh, but they even explain, they even explain in the show, like that they're just vampires. They just call them, they just call them devils. But, uh, anyways, they, the character is a vampire who works for the police force. He ends up getting involved in a case of multiple murders and at the beginning, uh, stops someone who is a murderer, who is a vampire who's been murdering people and saves this girl. The girl is the person he falls in love with. It's this kind of soulmate-ish kind of kind of deal of you know not really understanding why he's instantly instantly fallen for her, and she doesn't really understand why she's instantly fallen for him. He falls in love with her. He ends up you know wanting to protect her all the time. She constantly gets hurt, kind of like Bella in Twilight, always getting hurt, uh, and him feeling responsible for it. She's always in danger. He always feels responsible for it. That kind of thing. That's where it's Twilight. That's that's why I was like the only way I can compare it is it, it, like to begin with is with Twilight because of that correlation. You know, vampire falls in love with human, human always constantly in peril, vampire feels responsible. <laughs> but other than that, the rest of it is nothing like it. Uh it has actual action sequences, it has, you know, conflicts between uh, the main character and other vampires, it has uh, conflicts between hu- a, a human organization that's trying to kill all the vampires. So there's a lot more to it and it's only 12 episodes long. If, uh, if you want to watch it, I, 
they, it doesn't sound like they're going to do any more seasons to it. So know that on the final episode, watch it all the way or like, you know, you can skip through the credits because like most shows, the fucking music is terrible. There's an end scene at the at the end of it that has a finality, a finality to the story, at least. But uh, it's worth a watch. In my opinion, it's on Hulu as well. Uh, another show that Miles and I went through, uh, well, Miles still has two episodes, I think, left to watch of it, is No Guns Life. I don't remember bringing this. I don't think I brought this up last week. Uh, it doesn't sound better to me. Um, no Guns Life is awesome. <laughs> that is an absolute must watch. I, I think that they're finishing up season three right now, uh, and that will hopefully be airing soon. I'm hoping they can get the dub soon fast because the voice acting for the American dub is fantastic. And it has, it is a hard boiled detective uh, feel to it. It's fantastic. It's just awesome to watch. And uh, obviously don't let your mind uh, get, try to try to make sense of the world that, the, that it kind of takes place in because it doesn't make sense uh, how any, like how really any of it would work, but it's so fun that you, that you really shouldn't care has uh, really cool characters, some awesome, uh, some awesome designs to it. The, story premise is without giving too much away is this detective who is an a they call them extended he's he's an augmented human so they have cybernetics that they put throughout their bodies and stuff like that they're called the extended and he's what's called an overextended which means they that he has his entire body is basically just uh cybernetics and the only thing so that's like really, 90% robot yeah the only thing that's really human in him is pretty much is just his brain he is uh, the overextended were used in war. So they're weapons. They're like living weapons. And uh, he is a, one of the few overextended that's still around. And he is a detective. He's a private eye uh, works. He, the, he, it's kind of awesome. Cause he has a, uh, a gun revolver for a, for a head. Since he's a revolver, he, it, he's called a resolver. So he resolves issues, you know, clever wording. If you if you are looking for a new anime show and you haven't and it doesn't have a lot of seasons, it's only got two seasons so far. Like, like I said, they're working on three right now. Uh, if you want to get get into an anime, that is an awesome anime to watch. Yo, but by the way, the assassin the uh, assassination classroom it's only three seasons long, so it's really it's a really quick watch. I don't think I've gone through anything else. Well, another one that uh, the show that Josiah and I are watching is uh, My Hero Academia, which I would say. It's a fun take on an anime's version of a superhero academy. Okay. It starts off pretty light, and it has episodes from time to time that gets dark, and then it bounces back to the light. It's just fun to watch. It's the best way I could describe is think of like if there was an anim- a fun anime version of The Young Avengers. That's yeah. what the show is. And Josiah and I have been following that one for, for, for a while now, at least about a year now. I don't know if I would recommend it quite yet. The way you binge through stuff, I'd say you could probably hold off until they make a finale. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, listeners, we've also been we've been continuing to go through uh, Invincible. I think we're going to hold off on giving you you know weekly yeah. reviews of when that releases and just wait until it's finished and and tell you what we think of the season. I did enjoy the latest episode. Nice, uh, listeners. I finally played the demo for Resident Evil Eight, and now I can see why everybody's obsessed with the Amazonian vampire. <laughs> <laughs> That's by Snooze New. I say, yeah. Um, it was entertaining. Um, it's definitely reminiscent of the previous one. You're 
you're Ethan again. I have no clue because they don't give you much details. Um, my biggest bitching about it is the one Vargo and I have discussed about the series. Is that, you know, I, while playing this demo, I come across, like, you know, these, like, side text you can read. And it sounds like these Supernatural-esque characters have been here for a while. Like, yeah. a couple decades, a few decades. And I'm Vargo and I discussed that even... Don't call it Resident Evil, because people associate it with, like, mad scientist stuff. But make it a spinoff, where, you know, now you're going to follow the Umbrella Supernatural side of things. Yeah, it it can if take place like in the that, same universe. We'd be fully willing to accept it as is, but when you try to make it tied in that as like mad scientist, then that's where it kind of jacks up the story a bit. Yeah, it, it can absolutely take place in the same universe. I have no problem with that. That's not yeah, that's no never issues. been an issue. Uh, it's just the the whole like when you when you start calling something Resident Evil and then give it a number, it feels like it should take place within that same storyline. And it doesn't. Well, that's what, to me, that was near the finale of Resident Evil 7. Um, listeners, if I spoil it for you, sorry. It's been out for a couple of years now. But, you know, you were thinking it was supernatural the entire time, and then you find out it was a, another mad scientist creature pulling all the strings. It's not really, though. When you find it... Because it was like the little girl who was really actually a monster yeah. who was controlling everything. But the yeah. way they described it, she was an umbrella creature, but instead they should get you know, better off explaining it as a supernatural creature. She essentially became a supernatural creature. That's the thing. Yeah. It's like w- with the experiments that they did on her with whatever it was that they found, they turned her into that. And she became a supernatural being as a, re- no, as a result. I still enjoyed Resident Evil 7. I think it has one of the most ridiculous add-ons that I enjoyed replay as the, uh, the brother of the main villain, and you pretty much beat everything to death with your fist. To me, they, to me, they didn't really bring it back into, oh, it's it's all, uh, it's still science and stuff like that. I'm like, it just doesn't feel like science. It seems like because of the experiments they did on her, it turned her into a supernatural being. And the thing that they needed to, they, they really need to bring it into is like, well, it's not really attached to the events of the original Resident Evil. The original Resident Evils were all about the T virus and the G virus or the D virus. Um, like this, yeah, with scientists experimenting with genes that yes. created a whole messed up thing. Yeah, it it created all these creatures and created all these mutations and stuff like that. And that's while it seems supernatural, it's not. It's got a loose scientific principle. Yeah. So you have Resident Evils one through six, and even like even four, who goes into the somewhat supernatural, has a scientific explanation when it has to do with the plants and the Las Plagas. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Uh, virus like the—that was basically an organism that was taking over all these people and and doing this stuff. And while it had it had a more supernatural feel to it, it wasn't. Again, it still falls into Resident Evil category. So they turn around and they go, "Okay, well, we have Resident Evil Five, which brings back that stuff, and also integrates the zombies." So it's all it's all kind of kind of the same. And then you go into seven and you have these muck monsters and and crazy shit. And you're like, this does not seem like this. This is the same thing. Like you you had the the mom who could freaking stretch her limbs and had fucking bugs. Well, you still kept the theme of like one of the main protagonists is like an unkillable machine. The main protagonist is that way because of what she did to him or what they did to him. Yeah. 
So again, that's not like that. It, it just comes across as this is all supernatural now. All right, listeners, I figured out the best way to explain this, even though Anderson isn't here to answer me. Uh, the best way I can explain it to you is it's the equivalent of taking the uh, Resident Evil franchise and then adding Alma Wade into it. It feels very supernatural. It feels very not sci-fi. It's more into supernatural horror. So instead of, you know, horror sci-fi. Anyways, that's that's the best way I can explain it. You know, and moving forward with the Resident Evil 8 that's going to be coming out, while it looks really interesting, really cool, it definitely has a more supernatural vibe to it. Of uh, It looks like it's bringing in more monsters, more uh, supernatural elements. So at this point, I, I think it's okay for Capcom to just kind of drop the, the Resident Evil moniker, have it take place in the same universe, but now they're dealing with things that go beyond just the scientific. <laughs> And this lady, like, she's intimidating when you come across her in the demo. Yeah. The super vampire lady. Holy crap. I have no doubt anybody who's, you know, fucking eight, eight, nine feet tall would scare the shit out of me. And it was a fun demo. They said it's not <laughs> going to be anything related, but it does feel like it. Because you start off kind of like in this European-esque dungeon, and you're escaping through this the bottom of it and getting into this mansion that's owned by the vampire lady. And Yeah. It was interesting. I would like to get more into it. I don't know if it's going to be a game I pick up day one, but maybe when it goes on sale. Yeah. It'll probably be one I, I eventually play. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be able to play it until I can one, either upgrade my uh, PC finally or. Now um, the thing that did get posted was, uh, the beta for the resident evil reverse, which is supposed to be like a multiplayer shooter. Yeah. That beta is up for download now for PS4 and PS5. Hey listeners, uh, before we close out, there is one conversation that we did not have that I wanted to have, but I wanted to make sure that we had more than just Anderson's and my take on it is uh, talking about the stuff that's going on with uh, Kojima, uh, the possibility that he might be making a exclusive for the Xbox. And the other thing is what's going on with Sony and the fact that they are going to remake, not just remaster, but remake The Last of Us. And supposedly they are way too focused on making blockbusters rather than making the quality and variety that we're used to from the studio. They've gone full Hollywood on themselves and are kind of just focusing on blockbusters, which is not always a good thing, especially when you're looking for someone to continue to be the king of exclusives. Listeners, thank you for listening to us. We really do appreciate it. Please go on Facebook, like us on Facebook. If you want to get rid of your social media, we really do encourage it. It is going to be better for you uh, of not dealing with the lunacy uh, that is going on right now. It's really good for your mental health. Uh, we encourage you to make friends with people who may have different views than you and have critical thinking conversations about the world around you. Tell your friends about us. It's pretty much the only way we get around. This is Vargo. Anderson. Keep on geeking on, and we're out.
success. 